passing it on to others who are not. When I went running today, I will tell you it was, I've been running for years. I'm actually training for the Chicago Marathon in October. I hope and pray that it still is, is happening when October comes. And quite honestly, Yolanda, as a side note, I don't know if I would do it because we don't know what's going to happen in October. So even if they have it, I don't know, even as a health professional, will I feel safe or comfortable to be in a crowd of 20, 30,000 people? Definitely that will be breathing heavy. I don't know if I'm going to be willing or want to be able to do that. But it is important to follow the social distancing guidelines. It's very important to follow the recommendations from the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the other health professionals. And yes, if you have a platform, if you know of anyone that is out and about, even if you're walking in your neighborhood, everyone's not a runner, please put on a face covering. You need to really ensure that it is not a joke. You need to ensure that you're doing that. My own, my own family members are doing that. And when I went running um, and walking today with um, a friend of mine, she and I were, she and I both were even walking and running more than six to seven feet apart from each other. And we saw people that were running and if you probably all have heard now that people also have airspace. So if you're walking behind an individual, mm -hmm. and we've all done that, think about if you've smelled someone that's smoking, that's walking ahead of you, you're, you were in their airspace, right? So if somebody is running and they don't have the mask on or walking, mm. exercising, breathing oh. heavy, yeah. you are breathing that in. And all of us have been out in public where if you smelled, you know, um, I'm, I'm not advocating for smoking by any stretch of the imagination because it's not healthy. But even if you are a smoker or you know someone who is, you smell that even if you're several, several feet away from them. That is what we are trying to figure out now with COVID-19. It used to be airdrops, um, airdrops, um, air droplets that we were able to receive this from. Now they're trying to figure out if it's airborne because it's metamorphing. And the reason why it's called the novel coronavirus, the definition of novel is meaning new. So this is a new strand that they're trying to figure out. Hence, we don't have a vaccine for it yet. Hence, we have to de quickly develop a test to determine um, how, how is this contracted um, within humans. And we had to develop that test quickly in order to test hundreds of thousands of individuals. So yes, if this is a basic surgical mask for those that are watching, I know this is going to be on a podcast with um, audio, but you know, the basic surgical mask that you see individuals wear, I also have the N95. This, please keep these for your healthcare professionals like myself who are physically caring for individuals that way. And then this is actually a homemade one that someone had given to me where you can put, cut a slit in here and use coffee filters. Cut your coffee filters and make sure you have mm. a few... Uh, layers of filters because just a simple t-shirt you can still breathe that in okay so you really want to make sure again I am advocating 150% to tell your, your particularly your young folks your your children your teenagers those millennials even the elderly individuals <clears throat> who think, oh I'm okay no please put on a face mask and a face covering yeah. Yeah. I think I have one of one of one of those on that belonged to me. Um, and, and she probably thought I was being extra or doing too much. Uh, one morning she called me and she was out on a run in Chicago and she's like, mom, you know, I'm like, put put something on. And she she kind of backed down. So, yeah, I'm so glad you reiterated that. Um, I, I know you talked about should we be covering our mouths or noses with those masks? Should we oh. do all of that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I don't necessarily know if you have, I've seen people, I did see a few people today, today that looked like they were out in the Sahara desert because they had their whole neck covered and head covered. Um, I don't think that was a recommendation, but you absolutely need to cover your nose and your mouth specifically. If you do have on some shades or something, that would be helpful because the virus, the way we are getting it from a respiratory perspective is through your nasal and oral um, cavities. And so if you're rubbing, you know, if you're rubbing your nose or touching your mouth, like most of us do, mm -hmm. obviously I'm in my home. I've literally washed my hands about 15 times today. I'm a wow. contact wearer. So it's, I'm always trying to readjust or do something with my contacts. And now I have to be very intentional that if I need to, you know, fix my contacts, contact lens, go wash my hands first, fix it, then go wash my hands again. So yes, you need to ensure for those of you that are able to see that both your nose and your mouth are covered. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, good, good. Um, I have two questions and then you all, can you think of your questions if they're not already burning? Um, one came from uh, my children this morning. Um, how are you all deciding which nurses are um, working with COVID patients. How does that look on, on the floor? All of us are. Okay. There's, mm -hmm. there's no, most facilities, but I, and I, again, I want to reiterate to everyone that I am not speaking on behalf of where I currently work, mm -hmm. but I am sharing that I know this as a fact of speaking to several individuals that work, not just in the DMV area, but also in Chicago, friends in California, and even Florida. So throughout the country, um, there is a thing that's called an exemption. Most of us have that anyway. For example, even if you're a nurse who's working in a radiology department and you become pregnant, obviously you need to ensure that you are protected from the radiology, you know, the waves of, of having that. Um, I know my dear friend Regina, who's on right now, who's um, a hygienist. And so if you go and see them, they make sure that they step away to protect themselves as well. So there's a thing that's called an exemption, right? So anyone who typically is significantly immunocompromised, meaning you might be in the midst of getting cancer treatments yourself and you are a nurse or another healthcare provider, um, you can go to your occupational health um, area at wherever you work, I would assume, and you should be able to get an exemption as well as obviously pregnancy. Not that those individuals can't physically care for them. You just want, they have an added risk because of their immunocompromised system. And as well as obviously a pregnant woman, we definitely don't want her to be able to have any adverse in, impact or have a respiratory disease that can end up being on a ventilator while she was is care, seeking to carry her child to term. Wow. Yeah, that, that's really, that's really good. So you all, you have to think ahead of time about a lot of different protective measures Absolutely. and all of that. And I'll go into more later on, but um, if anybody has a question, mute yourselves. Um, Sean, I know you just typed one into the chat. And this question from Shantae in North Carolina is, how do we manage our young adults who don't live with us, but would like to visit during the stay at home order? So Sean, thank you for that question. Um, to be very honest with you, they need to just stay home. Um, young adults, I know it's very challenging unless the, unless the individual, and this is again, Meaty's recommendation, um, unless that person is someone that you have some significant, I, well, let me back up. The recommendations are that you should stay at home with who your current immediate family is. So it might be your child, but if your child has been living you know, in Michigan for the last however long, they really should just do their best to stay put. Um, if you have a family member who might be local, maybe an elderly individual 
and they absolutely cannot do that alone, then by all means, you know, do your best to take the protective measures, reach out to your healthcare professional, your health provider to say, hey, you know, my mother is, you know, 80 years old and I'm really concerned that she cannot stay at home by herself because normally she relies on me to visit, then maybe you need to make those necessary adjustments. But for those young adults, the same thing. I do believe that mental health right now is a significant challenge um, and worry that many of us have regarding our family members and our loved ones that are doing this whole quarantine at home. Uh, do use your best judgment, but I would definitely say reach out to your physician and understand what that person um, possibly may have as any other health issues or concerns that you wanna make sure that you're not gonna bring something to them and or vice versa. That's right, that, that's good. And I know it's tough. Um, and Sean, you know, I'm normally advocating for Brie, but right now she's gonna have to just stay on home. Um, yeah, she just gotta sit down somewhere. Um, the next question is from um, Regina. Uh, she said, we've been hearing so much about the Black community and the COVID virus, right? What key points should we should um, be shared with our own spheres of influences for some of our families and friends to take this season more seriously? Regina, thank you, Darren. As you obviously know, um, it, from the looks that this might, you know, currently that I'm speaking to many of my, my Black and Brown sisters, and I just want to really be honest and say that we have to do better. When you know better, do better. Here in the DMV, again, Yolanda, anybody who might see this later knows that we had a significant issue last weekend down at the wharf. When I was doing my long run last week, I ran by a set location uh, with basically the same visual of many of us um, hanging out outside of an establishment about 20 to 30 when I was running, you know, completely across the street about 50 feet away. And I was just shaking my head as I was running, indicating that, I mean, realizing that not a single person had on any mask, not even a bandana, not a shirt up around their face or anything. And my heart really ached because someone in that crowd might end up having that same again, be an asymptomatic carrier, pass it on to someone else who may fortunately have a great immune system, but then they're gonna go home that night. So it is so important for us to share in our atmosphere for our African-American communities and, and those other communities as alike uh, that might be disenfranchised to please, this is serious and you need to do your best to stay at home. I know it's easier said than done, but you need to really do that. Um, and as a point, uh, as I always do as a nurse and there is science behind what we do as evidence-based practice, um, and these numbers I want to um, illustrate that did come as of the, yesterday on Friday. So I did not get the, uh, the updated information for today, Saturday. But on uh, April 9th, just in the district, of the 32 deaths that we had um, noted on Friday, 20 of them were African-Americans. So 63% of the individuals who passed away in DC have been African-Americans. Uh, five individuals were our Caucasian sister and brothers. That was 16%. We had another five that were Hispanic. That was another 16%. And we had two Asians that passed away. And that was a total of 6%. So again, 63% of the um, pa patients that have passed away from COVID in the District of Columbia have been African-Americans. That's, that is, um, those, those numbers have been alarming. They really have been alarming for our um, communities there. The general numbers are alarming, but definitely the numbers for African-Americans. Um, 
we can't stress it enough. So definitely like wearing a mask, social distancing. Um, you know, you brought up a good point, uh, Midi, on our first call the other day about, you know, we already got the police telling us what to do. You know, police not treating us well, right? As And I'm saying, I'm speaking as a whole. And so now we don't really know how to um, take direction, you know, and, and we're, we're missing that. Um, and anybody, please feel free to chime in um, and and add some points about how we can, you know, Regina brought up a good point, like how can we um, make sure that we give people the correct information to get them to take this more seriously. I see a lot of heads going and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm not sure why, what is that thing that makes us say, well, we're we still going to go out and get some crabs. We're going to go get our hair done. We're going to go to the store every two minutes because we want to, right? It's, it's kind of in our nature. But how can we get folks to shift that thinking right now? I mean, to be very honest, Yolanda, I don't think it's going to shift until it comes into their proximity. Let's just mm -hmm. be um, African-Americans mm -hmm. and, and other disenfranchised um, groups and minority groups have often been left behind with lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, and lack of access of care. And so until you know someone personally that has been hospitalized or that has um, passed away from this, I think we're going to have a challenge. And let's be real, it's summertime as amongst us, right? Or it's currently springtime now. So think about when it starts to get hot. You know, right now we're learning the curve that we're looking at as we're preparing for the surge in, just in the District of Columbia. They're anticipating that the surge, so to speak, may not even really happen until sometime in June or July. That's prime summertime outside cookout weather, hangout weather, party weather, pool parties, et cetera, right? So we need to know and understand that this is going to be with us for a, a while and it won't just end. This is not a snowstorm when the snow melts in three or four days and we're back to normal and the streets are clear. This is something that might have an impact uh, for quite some time. As I shared, training for you know, Chicago Marathon, that's not expected to happen until November, I mean, October, well, I don't know if I'm going to want to be in a crowd of 30,000 people. My husband, mm -hmm. uh, we're not, you're not doing that, you know, because right. you're going to put yourself at risk. So right. I think right now, unfortunately, long answer to your question is, as African-Americans, we need to use this platform, the platform of these other beautiful women that are on to let people know do your best to stay at home. And it definitely is um, an infringement upon our personal liberties. We're used to going out every day and mm -hmm. doing what we wanna do. But at right now, what I do will directly impact, can possibly directly impact your health. And we've never been in a situation like this before. So this is not just about, you know, uh, blue lives matter versus black lives matter. This is truly a hashtag all lives matter. And we need to do our best mm -hmm. to make sure that we act accordingly. Right, right, absolutely. I heard a message um, a long time ago from T.D. Jakes, and he said, um, you know, I'm not planning to die, I'm planning to live. So I'm, I'm planning to live, which means I want all my brothers and sisters to live too, you know? Um, and so we definitely have to pass this information on. Um, Elisa Griffin says, what are your personal or professional thoughts on the country maintaining some level of social distancing, mandatory masks until a vaccine is found? And her concern is that there's going to be a resurgence of contamination when this stay at home order is lifted. And I know it's a concern of mine and, and maybe others too. 
So Alyssa, I agree with you 150%. And I think that there should be. I think that even if this is uh, lifted a little bit and people are able to have a little bit more of normalcy as it relates to our coming and goings, I personally would uh, be very grateful if we were able to maintain or require at least some type of face covering. If you all recall, um, our, our civil, um, not our civil, but our, our fellow citizens um, and those countrymen from China, back when we had SARS, they had on face coverings for months um, just to ensure when they had the swine flu, people were still out and about, but they still had on face coverings. And so I think it's important in order for us to somewhat maintain and mitigate this resurgence happening again in the fall or in late summer, yay, winter, I think it would be very beneficial. Again, that's why we have to continue to uh, pray often and, and pray fervently for those that are currently working on and working on a vaccine. Those mm -hmm. scientists are trying to figure out how this is contracted. Is it truly airborne versus droplet? You know, how mm -hmm. are we contracting this so we can maintain normalcy? Um, the interesting fact is when they first came out, you know, about four weeks ago, wash your hands, wash your hands. Well, as a nurse and a healthcare professional, that's what we do every day anyway. So it's mm -hmm. amazing now how often people are now wanting to sanitize their hands. And so just think about how often that we are getting sick anyway from just contaminated surfaces. Yeah. So yeah. to answer your question, Alyssa, absolutely. I would personally love and would, would wish that we would be able to have some type of uh, social distancing, yes, and some type of face covering until there is a vaccination developed. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. Yeah, I, I totally agree too. Um, you know, my mom, she's in a senior um, building in uh, Florida in Jacksonville, and um, she sometimes goes out to get her fresh air, you know, but she doesn't go anywhere else. Their building has been on lockdown a lot often, uh, a lot over the past few weeks. Um, but when she goes out, I am concerned because she's touching things in the building. She's using the elevator, all of that. And this kind of relates to uh, one of the questions here. Um, is it safe to go out if you have gloves and a face mask on and you need to run um, an errand? Is it safe? You know, people are, are concerned, even though they have gloves on and a face mask. Is that enough to go out and run our errands, the, those essential things that we have to do? My honest opinion is that I'm cautiously optimistic that it is because the, the virus is still being studied. Mm -hmm. that, that's my short answer is that that's what we're being told. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not one who delves into conspiracy theories. I have a very strong faith. And, you know, my hope is built on nothing less, right, than Jesus' yeah. blood and righteousness okay, at the same time. <laughs> but at the same time, I still believe in being practical and that we also have common sense. And I think that the scientists mm -hmm. and those that are working in epidemiology, seeking to figure out how this is happening, our infectious disease specialists are still determining how this is happening. Uh, my husband the other day sent me yet another link that talked about the airspace, you know, when you're running again, a few weeks ago that, you know, I was just doing the social distancing, you know, crossing the street. Now I do wear the mask, even when I'm going out there. And so honestly, we don't know what we don't know. And I believe we have to continue to wait until um, our infectious disease specialist comes out with that recommendation. Mm -hmm. that, that's the short of the answer. But if you are going out, I do want to please, please, please do not reuse your gloves. Please do not put hand sanitizers on your gloves and try to keep them. Please take the gloves off. 
once you get back into your vehicle, if you are wearing hand gloves, because all you're going to do is touch your car keys, touch your steering wheel, touch your cell phone. And if you did have something, what we call is a viral load. So please be very mindful that one person, a chew versus a chew, that, lar that larger sneeze has way more what we call viral load because there's more bacteria coming out from that larger sneeze or larger cough than just a <clears throat> you know, something smaller, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing on the, the things that, I, the innate objects that you are touching. So some might have more bacteria on it than others, thereby also having more viruses on them. So people are, I've had people ask me often, can I wash my gloves? Can I reuse the gloves? You know, I put hand sanitized. Those are not what the gloves are made for. Anyone that works in a healthcare field will tell you, we have never been told to reuse gloves. Never. Now, this isn't MASH. We're not out in the middle of a, you know, physical war. That's different. But right now, no one in any hospital setting or clinical setting has ever been told to, to reuse your gloves. So please, you all do not do that. You're really best off to just not touch your face and use the, you know, you've heard it, 20 seconds, happy birthday song, warm soap and water, and just wash your hands. And for the ladies, please don't forget if you have long nails, acrylic nails, whatever, please clean under your nails as well as a sidebar. Yeah. Wow. That, that's really good. Um, a quick question before we go to something else. Uh, Kashana Holland asks, does uh, social distancing provide protection if it's airborne? Like how do we um, know how much distance to keep if it is airborne? Short like answer. The short yeah. answer, again, <laughs> they're, they're, still, they're still changing those recommendations. So the best bet is if you are going, like I said, you completely cross the street. Um, if you are going outside, please put the mask on so you're protecting yourself if you need to go outside. And again, just limit your activities as much as you can because it is still currently being developed. The recommendations are still being developed and they're being changed. Even where I work, when this first came about, you know, the beginning of March, we were not wearing, I was not wearing a mask every single day unless you were going into one of the rooms and you had to, you know, use the N95s, but the CDC recommendations have then changed. Mm -hmm. I have a, one of my really dear closest friends is an ER physician um, in a particular area, and she was not even wearing any mask in the emergency department as a physician. Well, that obviously changed about a week and a half ago where they said, okay, everyone should wear a mask. So the recommendations are changing. So Again, I, there's no one set answer, but again, social distancing absolutely does have an impact because we all have a part to play in flattening the curve and social distancing does allow you to do that. I mean, again, I use a scenario of, of someone who's, cigarette, who's smoking a cigarette. It's definitely stronger if you're right next to them versus across the street, right? So you want to ensure that you are um, distancing yourself as much as possible so you don't have that viral load that is introduced into your body. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, I did read earlier that the Defense, the Defense Protection Act is being used um, at this point. And um, how, you know, and they're talking about thousands and millions of different items that hospitals need and our, our medical professionals need. And um, how is that trickling down to you all? Like, so we hear about these larger macro numbers, but how does it get to the people who are in the hospital serving folks who are sick? How does that happen? How is that looking for you right now? 
So as a district resident, you all know DC is not a state, so that will come directly to our district government. Um, for all the other areas that are receiving from this national stockpile, that goes directly to the governors. And then they need to connect with their Department of Health to ensure that the facilities that are impacted and need it most, that's how it's disseminated. So that's how that's happening. Personally, I will want to share because I think a lot of people are hearing stories that we don't have enough. And I want to be very clear to everyone, there might be some facilities specific, specifically that may not have what they need. And I can't speak to that because it also is depending upon the number of cases that that facility is seeing. You know, let's just talk about New York, right? New York has nearly over 90,000 positive cases. So anyone who, if you speak to someone working in a New York hospital or facility or long-term care facility or nursing home, obviously he or she is going to be having a completely different message than what I'm having because DC has not yet hit that surge. Mm -hmm. So it's really dependent upon where you're working. Um, what is needed is PPE, the personal protective equipment, and the most significant things that we need are the masks. The, again, those are the N95. Sometimes they come in different colors. They might be white, um, but these are basically considered respirators, and that's what we are using when we are caring or treating for any individual who is uh, COVID positive. Also, for anyone who's what uh, had the term, if you heard it, it's been called the PUI, not a DUI, but a PUI, which is a person under investigation. So if that individual has significant signs or symptoms that has required them to be hospitalized, and mm -hmm. while they're waiting for that test result to come back, we treat them as if they are positive. So my message in short, Yolanda, to anyone out there would be, assume everyone is positive. Like I said, you... Right for the worst and pray for the best, right? Mm -hmm. You're just, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is assume that anyone you come in contact with, hence even your loved ones, your children or family members that might be, you know, out or living in another home, please don't invite them over for Easter Sunday dinner tomorrow or Easter brunch. I've received that a lot of folks from my, my church. Oh, can I have brunch with just, you know, it's under, it's 10 no. people or less. No. Do it. The answer is no. Do your best to stay home. Use this platform such as Zoom or FaceTime to see your family members and your loved ones. But don't, don't try to do that on the side thinking that you're going to be safe because they have been in a completely separate self-quarantine environment for a said period of time. So mm -hmm. my recommendation would be no. Absolutely. That's, that's so good. So wearing that mask, keeping the distance, no visitation, no running in and out. Um, we also have a question about our packages, right? Because those of us who are staying home, um, we're getting stuff delivered. Um, and Tamika says, what about mail and packages? Are they safe to continue to even receive these things? So again, there, there's, a certain, uh, there's a certain amount of practicality that we have to have, you know, until we are told that if you touch anything, you know, you're going to contract something, you know, my personal and professional opinion and what I've heard from infectious disease doctors specifically is that the likelihood, you know, over 80 to 90% of anything that anyone has contracted has been because they were in direct person to person contact. Now, what I will tell you what I do in my household, my husband is very diligent about this, is if we do get a package, um, I use HelloFresh. Um, to also get some of the, the foods uh, that I use to prepare. Um, he wipes the package down, or if you have a bottle of Lysol, to simply spray it down because the COVID human coronavirus is actually has been listed on the Lysol bottle way before this has even happened, if you didn't know that. So if you look on the back of your Lysol bottles, um, for your spray bottles, that is, it has the human coronavirus listed on there. So I would say there's nothing wrong with being cautious. There's nothing wrong with being a little OCD during this time, right? So just mm -hmm. go ahead and take the package or even your mail and just spray it down. 
Yep, nothing wrong with it at all. We have about um, 15 minutes. I'm going to ask about testing, and then please, you all, feel free to um, unmute yourselves. I want to ask about testing, dialogue a little bit, and then end with what else we can do, Midi, to help you all um, as nursing professionals, nursing assistants, everybody who, the folks who are cleaning the hospitals, what is it that we can do um, to help in addition to encouraging people to follow, follow the rules? Um, I want to ask about testing. I talked to you the other day when I was actually coming from urgent care. And um, the urgent care doctor was the third prof uh, medical professional that I had seen and uh, over the past few weeks. Now, mind you, I have um, uh, a lung disease and I have SARC. Most people on this call, actually everybody on this call is family one way or the other, so I can tell this. Um, that. So I have these issues and these flare-ups sometimes, but I've seen three medical professionals. Not one felt that it was medically necessary. I mean, a couple didn't say anything about it, but not one of them said that it was medical necessary for me to be tested. And um, the other thing is, is that my pulmonologist doesn't want, didn't want me to go to an ER. Like he's like, if you can avoid it, avoid it as much as possible. But at what point, and, and not just using me, I'm using that as a story, but at what point do we say it's time to get tested? Thank you for the question, Yolanda. Um, and unfortunately, your question does require a little bit of a long response, and I'll try to be very succinct. Okay. The first one is, if your medical provider has not deemed that the signs or symptoms, um, if you've had any, require it, we really just need to, hopefully, you have a good relationship, and this is a person who you believe is also a good advocate for yourself, for, for you. But I will say, the the reasons for getting tested is if you have signs or symptoms, and those signs and symptoms are very simple. A persistent cough, a fever, if you have respiratory distress, obviously, and if you have any significant chest tightness that is completely new and abnormal. The challenge that we're seeing, at least here in the DMV area, is this is prime allergy season. You know, my, my own household suffers from that, right? And so it's important, you know, when you walk outside in your car, even now, you'll see that whole wonderful lining of pollen sitting on your vehicle. And so it's important to realize that it's very challenging with having COVID-19 right now, because we're also in the heightened, uh, heightened season of uh, allergy season. And just a few months ago, when it was initially uh, uh, happening here in the U.S. in February or March, that's prime flu flu season and cold season, and obviously COVID-19 as a respiratory disease. For an individual like yourself that has a history of pulmonary issues, as you indicated, typically you, you walk around your block, you do those different things to maintain your, your lung health and your lung capacity. That's why your physician probably said, don't go because it's at a higher, it's not the cost and the risk benefit did not equate enough for your physician to believe that they warranted rather for you to go. Now, the question that you asked is one that I'm getting often, even myself, I'm a nurse, I've been caring for positive patients, I've been in a room with positive patients, um, I'm in a facility that has plenty of positive patients. We have not been tested ourselves, why? Because unless you have a sign or a symptom, it is not yet indicated to do such. And typically speaking, it's really only about a 20 to 15, anywhere from a 15, it might be 25% now, of tests that have been done that I'm familiar with has um, actually come back positive. Even here in the District of Columbia, this specific number again came out yesterday of 
all the 8,724 individuals were tested here in DC, only 17% of them came back positive. So what I will say and encourage all of you to do is to make sure you advocate for yourself though. If you know how you're feeling is a little bit different than what you normally have felt, then absolutely. Do I as a nurse wanna be tested? Absolutely, but would it would it change anything? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Mm. And that was a question I had to ask myself. I don't have a fever. I don't have any persistent cough. You know, nothing. I don't have any malaise. You know, which is you know uh, significant fatigue. So it wouldn't change anything, quite frankly. And so that's the question you have to ask yourself. And there is a huge psychological component to this, right? You right. sneeze once. Oh my God, I have COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, right. need, you, know, you have a cough because you know the other day I was actually at work and I was laughing and you know how sometimes you laugh and it goes from into the, the windpipe and I was coughing and I had my mask on because I was laughing and everybody's looking at you like what's wrong with you like no I'm fine I just swallowed the wrong way so mm -hmm. it, that's that's the other impact of, of the testing requirement thirdly there's not enough tests available to test everyone Mm-hmm. Again, mm -hmm. there's not enough tests have not yet been created in order to test mass number of individuals. Now, yes, we're not in Korea. Yes, we're not in China. I can't speak to how that government and how they use their resources to develop those tests. There are actually active studies right now going on in those countries that are being shared through World Health, World Health Organization to figure out what we can do the model here in the US. Now, obviously mm -hmm. the federal leadership has uh, reportedly has indicated and asked you know, the FDA to do rapid approval of mm -hmm. testing and even uh, studies to be done. Most of us at some point have had some type of, you know, if you had a, any type of health class or something, even in, in college, in order for you to have a study, you have to go through what's called an IRB, an institutional review board to even get a right. right. typical mm -hmm. study, even if it's a psychological study or any study, it takes months, sometimes years to even get right. approval. You have to determine who your control group is, who is going to be your variable group. And so in order to even do a lot of these tests, to make sure that it's currently accurate, that there's a lot that goes behind it. Well, our government, which is a, a positive thing, that they have rapidly removed, hopefully, it's the truth, that they have removed some of that red tape barrier to do that in a rapid manner in order for us to determine that. If you all remember, mm -hmm. the great flu pandemic from 1918 killed millions of people, but now we have a flu vaccine. Right. So from this, who knows if there's going to end up being a developed human coronavirus vaccine that we will be taking. taking. So okay. um, the testing centers here, there's three priority groups that I'm familiar with that's in the district. One, mm -hmm. person who is a healthcare worker and or a currently admitted patient in any facility that is exhibiting signs and symptoms. The second group is anyone who is in any of the nursing long-term care facilities that our mayor has made as our priority testing group. And third is anyone who has been deemed essential workers, uh, first responders, nurses, physicians, technologists, you know, people out in the community, your healthcare, I mean, your grocery store workers, your pharmacy workers, those individuals that are in a current and environment um, that's deemed essential. The metro workers, all of them, if they are have signs and symptoms that they are the, the three testing priority groups. Because again, it also you have to have what's called a reagent. So you can have the number of swabs 
but you have to have the testing reagent to determine if it's positive or not. And last, hmm. I will add what we are finding that because this is a new test that has been developed, it really only has about an 80 to 90% accuracy rate. So people need to also understand that even if you are tested, you still need to see your physician and or your advanced practice professional to determine whether or not your testing um, is also in collaboration with looking at your entire clinical picture. Yolanda, you publicly shared you are an individual who has a lung disease. So Yolanda's cough or her chest tightness may not be directly related just to COVID because she already has a lung disease. So that's why she needs her pulmonologist to be involved to help her to determine what her next course of action should be. Yeah, that's, that's, it's really good. And it's a lot to think about. I'm so glad that everybody is on here. You all, um, it's going to be a few minutes um, until before we get to 615. So if anybody needs to log out, please feel free to do that. Um, you know, one of the things that someone said is that, um, uh, this is Elisa said, the, the human coronavirus being listed on the Lysol can, right? And you mentioned earlier that this is a new strain, but um, she believes that that's contributing to the conspiracy theory related to the origins of this mutated form in that it's man-made. This type of uh, thinking proves dangerous and makes people reckless and not take this serious, even though hundreds of people are dying every day. So she's just saying that that's something that's contributing to it. And then I'll go into the next question. Um, Carolyn in New York is an essential worker and she has a newborn grandbaby at home. She actually just came home from the hospital a couple of days ago. What are the risks for her, like going in and out of the house, kissing her granddaughter, um, and how can she mitigate the risks of exposure? Uh, Carolyn, that's a very, very difficult question to answer because obviously, you know, there's a bonding period, not with just the mother or father, but just with family in general. My personal recommendation would simply be, you know, make take your temperature you know, go get a thermometer, take your temperature, make sure you're afebrile. You don't have a fever when you come home. I do that every day when I get to work. I do it before I leave. I wash my hands when I leave my desk. Then I use a hand sanitizer dispenser right at the door before I get into my car. That's what I do. How I mitigate the risk is before I uh, hug or kiss my husband when I come home, shoes are off, take off all of my clothes, you know, from, from the facility. And before I, you know, change clothes, all, all of that, you know, necessary, you know, taking a shower, all of those things before you uh, do the, the family embracing, if you will. And it's important um, that you do that, particularly with the newborn, because that is a, a, a definite risk. And I would definitely, as much as possible, limit the other individuals in your home who are going in and out of the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Limit the other. That means no boo things coming over at night. You know that that, that they just they can't come. Okay, put that on hold right now. Um, I love y'all. Um, <laughs> taking a test now does not mean you can't get COVID later. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. That is one hundred and fifty percent correct. And also mm -hmm. taking a test now. Um, I have a personal story of an individual that I know who she was very, very nervous because she thought that she had it. Uh, very young, healthy, exercise, you know, perfect build, et cetera. She tested negative for COVID, but she ended up having a lower lobe pneumonia. Where does that mm. come from? How do you, how did, how does she, you know, this individual is a, is a school um, administrator. So school has been out in DC now for well over three weeks. 
-hmm. And so clearly she didn't get it from any of the kids because she's been home and she just started to exhibit those symptoms. Where did she get that pneumonia from? Interesting, mm -hmm. right? So that's why I will say to everyone, treat everyone as if they are positive until all this stuff is over and we figure out what exactly is happening. Mm -hmm. um, and her COVID test came back negative, but she tested her chest x-ray and everything revealed that she was positive for a lower lobe pneumonia, which can also mask many of these signs or symptoms as well. Yeah, yeah. Earlier, um, thank you. Earlier, you talked about your faith and we talked about taking the time to pause. And I want to circle back to Cheryl Crawley's uh, question. Um, and maybe you could just reiterate that a little more. She says, with all of the pressures surrounding you daily with COVID, how do you prioritize without total exhaustion, exhaustion meeting? Um, good question. <laughs> I use... <laughs> For me, you know, my, my run walks is for myself personally is a, is a place and moment of de-stress, um, you know, family time. Sometimes I'm definitely the person who's guilty for asking my husband, let's watch a movie, then dozing off, you know, 30 minutes into it. And then he'll say, okay, just go ahead and go to bed. That, <laughs> that happens quite often. Um, today, um, he's in the background. He said 30. Yes. He's like, I don't, I may not make the 30 minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes in, but nevertheless, um, using days like today where, you know, you get up and go out, do get your exercise on and come back and just, you know, have a little bit of a family time as much as possible and really just resolve to pray um, and just really ask for a, a good mental place to be in, to ask for God's protection and covering every day, not just for me, but for my team and, and everyone that has passed away, everyone that has been impacted and, and infected from the disease worldwide. Um, it, it's a lot. This is, this is a lot. We've, none of us have ever, again, lived through anything such as this. As I just shared with you, Yolanda, I was blessed to be inducted into a nursing um, uh, so, well, sorority, but a nursing organization, a nursing honor society just today. And unfortunately it was done via Zoom. So all the pomp and circumstance that typically comes with that, it was done via Zoom. Uh, great nonetheless, but you miss that interaction. And so just think about the people who don't have internet right now. Think about the people who don't have these wonderful computers and iPhones that we all have where we can at least see each other's face. Think about the people mm -hmm. who might have lost jobs or have been furloughed or whose hours have been cut. I mean, I have friends that are senior level executives and who have already been asked at some nonprofits, you know, will you cut your salary uh, to help with the organization? And so for me, I just always have to continue to find the, the daily silver lining. You know, I'm thankful every day that I don't have a fever and a cough and I'm healthy. Um, I am planning and, and spoke to my own, again, you know, my, my spouse about what happens if I get sick? Where am I going to stay? I don't want this to come to you in, in, our, in our household. What should we do? Again, preparing for the worst and, and hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we hear a lot these days about the African American community, the African American community or people of color. And um, we definitely got to do better, right? We have to do better with making sure that people are following the rules, that they're well and all of that. But there are some folks who can't social distance because they live in, in a one bedroom apartment and there's about 10 or 15 people in there and they got to take care of each other. And that may not be the case for us on this call, but it may be the case for some of our family members, right? And so we have to, I wanted to do this to make sure that we can encourage 
even those folks about how to keep yourself safe, take care of yourself as much as possible, because otherwise we're going to be losing people and I don't want that to happen. Uh, Maddie, how has economics like this, this um, socioeconomic status, how does that play into it with people who just can't help it? Like they have to be around people. They don't have anywhere to go. Well, that's why we're seeing the impact as it relates to, you know, those black and brown numbers being significantly impacted because we have historically been uh, disenfranchised, not just because of race, creed, and color, but also because of your economic status. So think about it. If you are working that job and, you know, you're at the grocery store, for example, you know, again, shout out to all the grocery workers that are doing uh. putting themselves in harm's way day to day. Um, what if that's the only job that you have and you might be the only person working and you start feeling a little bit of a little tickle in your throat or a little cough or something, you're going to try your best to just hunker down and work through it because you're the only one who's bringing home a paycheck, right? So that is a story for many Americans, not just black or brown, quite frankly, that's for many individuals right now. And so it's important that we do our best to support, you know, small businesses, do your best to support um, things that are local in your neighborhood. Um, you know, I'm sure that you are aware, Yolanda, that I have, I have received over $3,000 personally, PayPal and cash out to me from family members and friends and sorority members, sisters and other organizations, my church family to feed my team. And what I have chosen to do after the first uh, couple of times is I start finding, you know, black owned caterers that could, you know, well, still keep them in business mm -hmm. and recycle that dollar mm -hmm. in my community. And I think we just need to be intentional, you know, my, you know, even for myself with my husband and I, when we tend to go to get gas, we tend to use our local uh, neighborhood gas station because we want to keep that gas station in our neighborhood. And so I think we just have to be intentional with the dollars that we do spend. You know, if there's a local market, a, a, I mean, yes, markets, for example, there's one not far from me. And so I just do my best because I want to have a nice little local grocery store if I don't have to go all the way out to the Giant or Costco, but if I want that in my neighborhood. So just be very intentional about how you are spending those dollars while you're conserving them, but the dollars mm -hmm. that you be very intentional um, about that. Right. That, that's really good. I just um, posted earlier about Tyler Perry's latest, because you know he does a lot, his latest investment into his that community. Amazing. That was very Wasn't amazing. that amazing? I was like, my gosh, let me be in a grocery store and you just pay for all of the groceries. He's just amazing, right? But that's his platform. And we all have our own little platforms, little things that we can do that we don't have to talk about. We can just do it, right? Um, whether it's sending somebody in our family groceries, whether it's, um, you know, sending a, the nursing professionals a, a, a night of a dinner, you know, or something like that. And so, Midi, please don't be shy about sending your cash app to the group group chat and the PayPal. No, I, it, absolutely. I, I know that um, all of these women on here are givers and doers. And so feel free to pop it right in there. Um, but just thinking about like being intentional about exactly, uh, Ilka, to be intentional about our giving and how we're serving right now. Um, because where some of us are comfortable, some people may not be. Um, Midi, I'm going to let you go at 630. Is that okay? Is that all right? Okay. Um, so LaShawn Feimster says, um, many of her coworkers make statements about 
the new normal. We've all heard that, right? And she says she shares this. Um, she shares that this is not the new normal. People are passing away. These are safeguards. There are safeguards, and and we need to take the time to take a pulse and reassess what's essential. And what is your thought towards the term about the new normal? It is a new normal, actually, for now. Um, this is something new. I don't think that whenever, even as restrictions and stay-at-home orders are lifted, I don't think it's going to be lifted without any other type of, of guardrails, for lack of a better term. And I think that, you know, moving forward, I just saw something when I did pop on CNN earlier today that they did a poll um, at one of the universities that said they were talking about uh, sporting sporting events. And the question was, if you know, the Redskins or whatever sporting event was coming and opening up, you know, tomorrow uh, or next week, would you go? And the majority of people said no. Um, then there was a small fraction that said yes with some social distancing, which meant that they would not have the same number of seats occupied. And then the, the vast majority just said no. As I just indicated, I myself, I'm, I'm training actively for, you know, a marathon in, November, in October. Do I really want to be around 20, 30,000 people breathing heavy, <laughs> you know, running 26.2 miles? Probably not the best thing to do unless I have some scientific knowledge that says this thing has been contained and this is how you can do it. And even with that, you know, I am a, as a healthcare professional, you know, they started requiring, when I first got into nursing, the flu vaccine was not mandatory. The flu vaccine for most of us that are working in any worth their salt, healthcare organization is requiring us to take the flu vaccine unless you have a medical exemption. So I believe, how would you know um, if those individuals have received the vaccine or not? You don't know. So putting yourself in harm's way, um, and again, as a woman of faith, even going you know, back to a large church setting, what the, what is church gonna look like? What are church services going to look like you know, from now, everyone that probably would be one of the first places I would want to go to once this, uh, once the restrictions are lifted. But I really do have to ask myself, even as a leader in my church, is that really the best thing to do? How, how are we going to do that? Should everybody maybe have on a mask when they come back in the service? Because definitely in church, there is definitely no social distancing. You know, you're sitting mm -hmm. <laughs> in away from someone. So, you know, we have to, again, my term is as being very intentional. And honestly, we have to be resolved and remain prayerful that we can have some type of scientific uh, background uh, as we continue to move forward as it relates to when is it going to be safe to resume what normal is. But as of now, I do believe that this is our new normal for quite some time. Wow, wow yeah, absolutely. It is definitely um, here and it's, it's our reality right now, right? Um, any other questions? Oh, takeout food. How is, how, what are, you, are you hearing anything about takeout food media at all? Like, should we be doing that? What I will share with you, again, I am not a representative for any organization, but I know where I currently work that we have stopped asking people to bring um, unindividualized wrapped um, containers of food. So when I first, for example, was getting some stuff that was catered, um, you know, you get the big tin foil pans and you get everything and it was definitely catered. So it wasn't somebody making it in their home. So hopefully that person has a, right. you know, the people that I use are official businesses. And so we then changed, the, the regulations have been changed, or the rules rather were changed to say, please, we want the food, we, want, we appreciate that, but it needs to be individually wrapped. 
So mm -hmm. even if you were going to get something, you know, I did get, you know, love, I have to say, I'm sorry, but I do like Chick-fil-A. So I would initially get the Chick-fil-A platters, right? But I can no longer get the Chick-fil-A platters. What I can do is get, you know, 58 piece, eight pieces in their own separate containers. So that way people aren't over the food, breathing over the food. Mm -hmm. So I have absolutely, um, that has been a recommendation, obviously from an infectious disease perspective. Uh, what we've been doing where I currently work, what I'll share as it relates to takeout food, I absolutely have gone to get takeout food. I got some last night actually from Lido's. Um, again, a, most food, particularly if it's something that's heated food, you know, if you're cooking something, uh, there's not many viruses that are going to last once you put something in the oven and it is cooked or baked. You just have to ensure that things are, are handled appropriately. And there's, again, studies have not shown that we've had people that have been contaminated from anything from food. Again, the majority of this disease that has been contracted has been from person-to-person -person contact. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So as, as wrap-up, uh, Meaty, this is a, a new strain of the coronavirus. We need to wear our masks regardless. We need to act as if. Um, we need to not have visitors. Unless you live with the folks, they should not be coming to your house, and you should not be going to their homes. We need to not have visitors, and they should not be coming to your house. Um, if you have to go out and you're an essential worker, you should be taking your temperature um, before you go into the home and, and hopefully not um, contaminate folks. Um, what else, uh, Meaty, what else do you want to leave us with so that and these also, folks can share? Absolutely. In closing, you all, um, it's very simple. You stay at home for us so we can come to work for you. Um, I know, again, my friend Regina, who's on, has been following my social media handles. And, you know, I've always had the hashtag of be well, stay well. And when you know better, do better. And mm -hmm. so you all are knowledgeable and intelligent uh, well-informed individuals and you need to pass that on with platforms such as Yolanda has allowed us to have today. And again, Yolanda, thank you so very much for having this, uh, for us to be able to get information. Um, if it's not just me, feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms. But if you have anyone that is a healthcare professional, you know, a physician, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a, a physician assistant, somebody that's working in a hospital or a clinical setting, reach out to them and ask them that information. Again, more specifically, go to the cdc.gov website. You know, that's where Dr. Fauci and all of them, I do believe in what he is, is sharing and the information that he's sharing to us. Go there to get your specific numbers. Um, go to the World Health Organization to find out what is happening worldwide. If you live in Maryland or the Virginia area as well, go to your Department of Health. There is a statewide Department of Health website for all of you all. I'm on it every day. If you go to the CDC and you scroll down and click on the state, there's a map there. And if you touch this, um, the state, it will take you directly to your website for your DOH, um, your Department of Health area, and it will give you specific information as well as things are changing. It will also give you all the statistics that you need. Lastly, I just wanted to share in closing again that we all have a part to play and everyone please know that we don't know what we don't know. So when you're listening to the news, when you're listening to the broadcasters, when you're listening to, you know, the stories of, 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 of nurses, for example, quitting and doctors quitting, it is not that that's not happening, but I really want to say that 95% of us are coming in 
not just nurses and doctors, but everyone, you know, the people at registration, the environmental services, services workers, can we just give a shout out to them, yes. the people that are cleaning the areas and making sure that it's clean, not just on COVID, but any other given day, shout out to those that are not getting the same recognition and um, accolades as they should. Um, as a quick sidebar, you know, when I did get some of the money, I actually took that money where I went, uh, where I work, and I fed the entire EBS team. You know, we also have patient, um, some people call them patient care technicians. I saw somebody just mentioned CNAs. Absolutely. Yes, the nursing yes. assistants, the unit clerks, the unit secretaries, anyone who is working in a healthcare environment, shot them out, send them a yes. text message, tell them I'm praying for you. Thank you so much. What can I do? You can't come and do our work for us, but what you can do is just continue to give a nice word of encouragement so that they know that you um, that we have your support. That definitely boosts morale. You know, a happy nurse is a fed, a happy nurse is a fed nurse that we always say. And so just from the people who have sent money that I've been able to feed my team and many other departments in the hospital, that little bit of morale let them know, lets them know that others are thinking of them as we are putting ourselves in harm's way daily. And so again, follow the stay at home orders, stay at home, just please stay at home. It's simple. That's what you can do because mm -hmm. what your actions and activities can impact someone else's health. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to turn the recorder off in a second, you all, and anybody who wants to hang around and kind of vet a little bit and just talk because I got all of you here and I'm so excited to see your faces. Um, Meaty, the information that you shared um, to me has been more valuable than even things that I've listened to every day or whatever. This has been um, amazing. So just thank you so much. We appreciate you. We're thinking about you and, and all of your colleagues across the world, right? Because you really represent a space right now that is across the world, healthcare professionals are taking care of us and all of those folks that you mentioned. Um, you have had, there has been um, about 22 people in this group. So that's about 22 different communities, homes, families, all of that that you all can connect to to take this information to so that no matter how many surges we hear about and all of that, we are giving the best information possible to our family members and our friends and our community. Thank you all for being here. Um, again, you know, I am going to go I ahead. Just quickly add, uh, sure. not just workers that are going in, just also a special shout out uh, to the family members. You know, when I leave every day, that, that anxiety isn't just mine. It's also, you know, I, I, like I shared, I am married. So it's also, you know, my husband's and my son's. And so, again, not just for me, but I definitely want to, you know, thank the family members of the healthcare workers that are going out there every day, um, because that's also a, an unnecessary burden, if you will, that they are carrying along with us, as we obviously have the burden of going, but that load is definitely shared with our family members. And so I just want to definitely thank, you know, my own husband and my son, um, who are, you know, will call me, haven't heard from you, what's going on, you okay? Yeah. When are you coming home? What's happening? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Can I do anything for you? You know, and so just having that, um, and knowing that is also so important. So again, not just your friends or family members who are healthcare professionals or essential workers as well, but also their immediate family um, that, that's helping them to, to move forward and progress forward. Absolutely, absolutely, that's so good. Um, you know, we have young, seasoned um, on here, all of that. And so I'm just so grateful that all of you care so much about this platform, um, that you took your time on a Saturday when you could be like 
binge watching stuff on Netflix or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, Meaty, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm going to shut the recording off, but um, I do invite people to stay around and hang out if you want to hang out. Um, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for sharing your leadership tips. Um, thank you just for, just for being who you are right now. And Regina, I thank you for seeing this in her. Thanks, Regina. Um, I appreciate this. All of us do here. Um, we're we're going to rock it out. Thank you, Meaty. Go enjoy your family. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. All right. Yeah. Stay well and stay at home. All right. Thank you.